Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Good morning, everyone. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay. All right, so welcome to our women's retreat. I'm so glad each one of you is here. Um, I really, when we first started brainstorming this idea, I had no idea (laughs) who would come. And just so you know, I feel completely out of my comfort zone. This is not anything that I've ever done before. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. I was originally, when uh, we started talking about this, I thought maybe we'd have a group of maybe 10. And um, there are 37 of us in this room, and I had no idea what that looked like. Um, so just so you know, you, <laughs> you all look like a multitude to me. So um, just, just to say that. If you are not um, a member of our church, I really am so thankful that you're here. Just a couple of quick notes. We have a bathroom right back here uh, in the back of the sanctuary, just through uh, either set of double doors. So if, um, if you need to do that, uh, need to get up and, and use the restroom, please feel free to do so. Um, we, there are also uh, restrooms over in Wesley Hall, a couple. Um, if you need help finding them, let me know. And then again, this is a real casual, very casual uh, <clears throat> setting. So if you need to get up, stretch, walk around, take a quick phone call, feel free to do so. Don't feel like you're going to be looked at or judged or anything like that. This is not going to be that at all. So again, I, I really do feel completely out of my comfort zone, but I will say that with all the um, technical challenges that we've had in the last 72 hours, um, I feel like something is, something is really going to be happening today. I feel really good about that. Um, another quick thing, um, this is kind of a fun thing about me, or not fun, maybe. Um, <laughs> I have, um, you know how we all have those irrational fears? Um, one of mine is uh, metal grates. Uh, if you ever walk through downtown Dallas or anything like that, there are tons of metal grates, similar to this uh, thing here on the floor. And uh, I, I never walk on them just simply because um, I, I'm convinced that I'm going to go falling through the floor. And just so you know, this area right up here feels very unsteady to me. So, uh, Nancy Summers, if I go crashing through the floor, please refund everybody's money. <laughs> we can pay for it out of my life insurance. Chris will take care of that. Just, just, just take care of that. So, <laughs> Well, do I have any volunteers? I'm, I'm happy. I am happy to give this up. Um, also... <laughs> I've, see, I've seen the trap door that you pointed out to me yesterday in uh, Wesley Hall. Um, I, I thought for a minute, quick minute this morning about crawling in there, but I decided that that probably wouldn't set very well and you guys would be calling the bishop and having us moved any day. So anyway, um, another just uh, fear point for me is I realize that I am in front of a lot of teachers, Former teachers, principals, former principals, school administrators, and former school administrators. So 
the only person in this room that is not making me highly, highly, highly uncomfortable is Miss Sydney Zock. I'm so thankful that you are here today because I used to teach youth and, uh, and, and I'm just so, so very thrilled that you're here today. So if I start looking at you a lot, just don't get creeped out. It's okay. I, I'm a safe person and I've done ministry safe and all that. So, so all right. We're going to go ahead and get our day started, and I'm going to start by telling a story. A few years ago, Chris and I um, had a, a Sunday that was lighter than normal, and uh, we decided that we were going to go play golf in the afternoon. So it was Sunday. We got done with our morning activities, and we set a tee time for noon in June, in late June, in the summer, in Texas. So... If you know anything about the heat in Texas, it's really, really hot. And I have a skin condition that makes me very, very prone to sunburn. So I have to be very, very diligent when I'm in the sun. Uh, so I have a couple brands of sunscreen that are, work really well for me. So man, I was just spraying that stuff on, covering every square inch of my body as best I could. And uh, thought I'd done a really good job. And you know, as my dad used to say, I was sweating like a stuck pig. And uh, so I, uh, I was very diligent about reapplying, just wanted to make sure, you know, and, and with me, sunburn doesn't show up on me sometimes right away. So um, I uh, got up the next morning just wanting to really check and see how I had done and uh, got up and immediately I fell on the floor. I was completely dizzy. I had no sense of balance at all. And I was like, okay, something's weird. I'm going to lay back down for five minutes because that's weird. That didn't happen. Got back up, same exact thing happened. Well, you see, I had taken really great care of my outside, but I had completely neglected my inside. So today we're here to take care of those parts inside of us that nobody can see, okay? Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I just thank you for this day, for bringing all of us together. God, you have worked amazing things today already with the sound system over the last 72 hours with all the technical challenges that we have had. God, I just feel that you are going to do something big today. And I already thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. Thank you for each lady in this room. Help all of us to find refreshment and to recharge our batteries. Meet us where we are, strengthen us, encourage us, and speak now to us through your word. We pray all this in your name and for your sake. Amen. All right, so give me just a second to make sure this didn't time out. It did. Let me type in the password. We're going to get started. While I'm doing this, if you would open your Bibles, if you have them, to Psalm 102. It's a, a lengthy psalm, and I'm going to be reading it, just so you guys know. The words will not be on the screen, because my husband is better at this than I am. Um, so, all right, hear the word of the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. 
My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withers like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants, her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise your plea. Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high, From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion, his praise in Jerusalem, when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life he broke my strength, he cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, O my God, in the midst of my days. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the heading in my Bible and the heading on the top of your listening guide has the words, the cure for distress. This is not something I came up with. I'm definitely not that creative. But that is what um, the heading in my Bible said. And I was thinking about just the way in the world in which we live and where do we go to find answers. And I started thinking, I'm like, "Ah, typically I Google it. So... I decided to Google the cure for distress. And I know you guys can't really read that at all, um, but this is what I got. Uh, These are the things that it says. It says emotional distress signs, 10 tips for emotional healing, 10 ways to lower stress, 27 home remedies for stress. And this is my personal favorite that's in the form of a question, bloated gassy stomach. So since we couldn't go to Google to find our cure for distress, we're going to unpack this psalm and see what we can find. All of us in life have had uh, situations that are just like the first 11 verses of this psalm. They are crushing and they are pain-filled and they are just, just 
full sensory experiences. And we see that in the psalm. We see every single sense mentioned in some way, in sight, seeing the body waste away, lying awake, eyes wide open. We've all probably had that experience. Ears desperate to be heard, but feel like nobody is listening. Verse 5 talks about loud groanings. Verse 8, taunts of enemies. I don't know if that particular verse takes anybody back to like elementary school and junior high, but it sure does for me. Taste talks in verse 9 about ashes, taste, you know, eating ashes as food. Uh, in, in verse 3, it talks about vanishing like smoke, even though that's a metaphor. It's still just a sense you can almost smell the smoke when you read that verse. And then in verse 3, it talks about bones burning like glowing embers. So again, it's those times in life that are just so crushing. And, and I think we've all had those. And if that's, if that's where you are today, I'm really, really glad you're here. Because I think we're going to unpack this psalm a little bit and maybe look for some things that we can take away from it. Takeaway number one, be honest with God. He can handle how you're feeling. This psalmist shares his honest feelings about what is going on. He's brutally honest. And there's nothing that we can say that is going to shock God, disappoint God. He knows how harsh our lives are. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He knows us through and through. These are all, there, there's just nothing that is going to surprise him about anything that we would say. That leads us to takeaway number two. Honesty does not necessarily equal accuracy. There are a number of things that the psalmist says that seem very, very harsh. Uh, the psalmist pours out his thoughts and his grievances to God. In verse 10, he, says, he talks about uh, God's great wrath for him and how he feels like he's been thrown aside. And in verse 23, it talks about how the days are cut short and how his strength was broken and none of that, um, you know, obviously those are how he was feeling. We don't know who wrote the psalm. Some of the psalms, it'll tell you who wrote them and what the situation was. This is a psalm of David when he was about to encroach on this army. Or this is a, you know, another psalm and, and kind of gives you a little bit of the context clues. We don't know who wrote this one. We don't know what they were going through. We know how they felt, but we don't know the situation. Earlier this week, I mentioned we've had a number of technical difficulties. Um, it's, it's actually been quite almost humorous. Now I can say that because you can hear me. <laughs> um, uh, earlier today, you would not have been able to. Um, but one thing that happened earlier this week happened on Wednesday, actually, right after I sent out the email to everybody saying, hey, if you need me, text me. I'm going to be you know, not checking work email, so just text me if you need to get a hold of me. So I woke up that morning, and I'd forgotten to charge my cell phone the night before, which was no big deal. I mean, you know, just put it on charger, no big deal. To have a charger in the car, do it on the way to work. And uh, I looked at my phone. I was like, okay, 45%. Okay, not ideal, but whatever. And, uh, and so I uh, got the rest of the way ready for work and went to grab my phone, hit the home button, nothing. Hit it again, nothing. Hit the power button, nothing. I'm like, I just told everybody <laughs> to text me. 
I just told everybody, and, and then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I can't talk to Chris on my way to work, and I have a ton of questions about the women's retreat and the technology and all this. What am I gonna do? And so the great thing about our technology these days is, um, how many have Bluetooth in their car? Okay, lots. One thing I like to do if I don't have a phone call that I have to make or anybody to talk to, sometimes I'll just pray out loud, and nowadays when Bluetooth, it doesn't look very, like you're a crazy person. So that, that's nice. And so I started praying out loud, and I said these words. I said, this is horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. And almost as soon as I said that, I got this impression in my spirit, nothing I heard, but just like God was talking to me, and he said, is it really is it really horrible? To which I answered, well, yeah, this is horrible. <laughs> this is awful. I hate this. Everything about I don't know if I have any meetings. I don't know if I have any, I don't, you know, I can't check my email. I can't check my calendar. I can't check anything. What am I going to do? And then I heard that again. Is this really horrible? I started thinking, I'm like, you know, it's not. I was honest, but my honesty didn't equal accuracy. So back to the golf story that I started with. So we realized that I had a bigger problem than time or anything was going to solve that I needed to see a doctor. So Chris got me in the car. And again, if, if I'm sitting still and the world is spinning and then you put me in a motor vehicle going 40 miles an hour down the street, it's not a pleasant experience. But I realized that I needed an outside informed perspective to kind of turn some things around. That leads us to takeaway number three. When the world is spinning out of control, we've got to find our pivot point. Anybody know anything about basketball? So when you're a basketball player, uh, you have to dribble the ball. I'm going to go over here because I don't trust this floor. <laughs> ah. So when you're a basketball player, you have to keep dribbling. And sometimes in the game of life, we just kind of start to stop. We don't want to. We didn't mean to. It wasn't our intention. But we all of a sudden just stop. And in basketball, if you stop, you can't start dribbling again. Your only option is to pass the ball or to pivot. And in pivoting, your job in pivoting, the whole end goal is to find a different perspective, to find a better view, to find a, a, a different view of the situation, find a different goal, find, find the end game, find the basket, find another player. But you have to make a pivot. So sometimes in life, we have to do that too. And I've got to get back to my notes. <clears throat> All right. Once we get to verse 12, the perspective of the psalm completely changes with the words, but you, O Lord. But nothing, nothing has changed for the psalmist. You can almost still hear the taunts of the enemies. Ah, you can almost, <laughs> as I fall through the floor, 
um, you can almost still hear everything that's going on. You can almost still feel, feel his pain, but nothing has changed. We have no indication that anything has changed, but his perspective has. And again, our goal is to find a different, better, and more hopeful perspective. Takeaway number four. Remember who God is, what he's capable of, and what he's already done. Remind yourself if nobody else will. You know, they say that hindsight is twenty twenty, and sometimes it is important to look back. This psalmist does. He even goes far back as the beginning. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the, work, and the heavens are the work of your hands. He goes way back. We can, too. In verse 12, the word forever comes from the Hebrew word olam, which means long duration, antiquity, futurity. And in, that, in, uh, in the definition of that word, that Hebrew word, you also find the, word, the words vanishing point. <clears throat> so has anybody ever uh, seen that bridge that goes across Lake Ray Hubbard on 66? So there's a walking bridge on that. And after I started working on this lesson, um, I, I took this picture. <laughs> And uh, it, it, was, it was really striking to me because that is a vanishing point. And has anybody ever run the bridge, walked on the bridge, done anything? Okay. It, it, this is basically your view for a very long time. You, you, this is what you see forever. I mean, literally, it feels like you are never going. You know, the, the thing about running, and I know, you know, you guys are probably thinking, okay, she's talked about golf, she's talked about basketball, she's talked about running. I thought she liked baseball. <laughs> Day's not over. I'll probably talk about it at some point. Um, but, you know, this, this is your view forever. And when you, um, when, if you're a runner or a walker, sometimes it's nice to have landmarks. You know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run and, you know, I do this. I'll run up until I get to the next car or I'll run until I get to that street sign or I'll, I'll keep going until I get to this. You don't have that here. <laughs> you, have, you have nothing. You have nothing, no landmarks. There are a few flags that they've attached to the chain link fence on the, on the right side, but those are very few and far between, so there really are no landmarks. But the funny thing about that bridge if you're in the middle of the bridge and you turn around, you get the exact same view. You get the exact same view. But we always think about forever in one direction. You know, this, this meeting is taking forever, this workday is taking forever, this school year is taking forever, this class is taking forever. All these things, we always think future, 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 future. But the funny thing about God is forever includes past events. That leads us to takeaway number five. God knows your backstory. Yeah, we need to look back to remember the things that God has done in our lives. We are the ones that need reminders. God doesn't. He hasn't forgotten, and you're not the one person that he hasn't seen. He knows everything that has happened, and he is well aware of what you're going through. In verse 20, it talks about hearing the groans of the prisoners. <clears throat> the word for hear in the Hebrew comes from the word shama, 
which means to hear intelligently. A couple of nights ago, I was, uh, went to dinner with a good friend of mine who I've known for a very, very long time, and she's just, we've just gone through so much together. I mean, we, we just, we've just had so much, we've done so much life together that she knows me so very well. And um, we met for dinner. Uh, we both work kind of in the same area. We met for dinner at 5.30 one night. Uh, her husband had a work assignment. My husband was out of town. So we decided, hey, it's a great night to get together for dinner. And so we did. Met at 5.30 at the local restaurant. And um, pretty soon, you know, we both had our cell phones on the table. And mine kept lighting up. And hers kept lighting up and making noise and stuff. And you know, words with friends, probably from some of you, and, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, text messages and stuff, and we both just kind of ignored it, because we were doing, we were catching up, and, you know, it was, it was one of those situations where I could say, hey, you know, how is Michaela doing, her daughter, and I knew all the history, and she's like, hey, yeah, how are your kids, and she knew all the history, and so by the time we, we realized, you know, the waitress kept coming up to us and saying, you know, can I get you anything else? That should have been a context clue, but we weren't, we weren't that bright, so we, we, we were not catching on. But um, by the time we looked down at our phones and we're like, oh gosh, I guess we better, we better get going. We better, you know, call it a night. It was 9.30. We had been there for four hours <laughs> just catching up. But how great is it to talk to somebody who knows your backstory, who knows all those things that you don't have to say, Okay, now, now what, who was that again? I, I, you know, what is that? Um, but it, w it was great to just talk to somebody who knew everything that was going on. And how many of us travel ridiculous lengths to go see doctors, even, so we don't have to go through our history? God sees our pain and he knows our hurts. Psalm 56 talks about him collecting our tears in a bottle. Isaiah 25 talks about the Lord wiping away tears from all faces. And Revelation 21 does the same. Takeaway number six. Our God is in the business of rebuilding. Verse 16 says, For the Lord will rebuild Zion. Our God can redeem and rebuild anything, no matter the source or the scope of the destruction, no matter if it's from an internal, self-inflicted thing, or if it's from something completely without our control and outside of our control. The book of Nehemiah is all about rebuilding. And if you're not familiar with it, <clears throat> Nehemiah learns of the destruction in Jerusalem, and he's just devastated. He's just, it was his hometown, and he was just heartbroken and just so burdened, and he, um, he, more, he starts mourning and just crying out to God and fasts and prays, confesses his sins, the sins of his uh, uh, family, and the sins of his people. I mean, he kind of covers everything, and then he begs God for his favor, and then he um, just, just kind of almost in passing, at the very end of, of this, big, this big lament, he just says these words, I was cupbearer to the king. And, um, you know, I think most of us, if we had a position like that, we probably would have led with it. Hey, I'm cupbearer to the king. But he doesn't. He, he kind of almost throws it in as an afterthought, completely 
just as a, as a throwaway line. We have access to the king too. We have the king's ear. We all serve as cupbearer to somebody. So back to the Nehemiah story. He says he's, fr- he's cupbearer to the king, and the next thing in the scene in the, in the first chapter of the uh, book, he is in front of the king. And he doesn't say anything to the king about what is going on in his life. He just, um, I guess, looks kind of depressed. And he, uh, he starts to, um, you know, the king starts to pick up on the context clues about something's going on. And he asks this, the king asks Nehemiah this question, what is it you want? What is it you want? And I think our king asks us that too. What is it you want? What is it that you need rebuilt? What is it that, where are those broken pieces that we can put back together? Nehemiah answers the question. And he answers it very thoroughly. He says, okay, I want you to write me letters and kind of give me the props and, and, and send me on my way so I can hand this letter off and say basically that you've sent me to do this work. And then I also, uh, I, I need kind of a, uh, a pass to the Home Depot because I'm going to need some stuff. I'm going to need some nails and some boards and some stuff. I need you to help me get the stuff that I'm going to need to rebuild. So he was very specific. We can be specific too because our God is in the business of rebuilding. And he can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask and imagine according to Ephesians 3. So let's ask with boldness. This is the takeaway number seven. God doesn't have a dark side. Verse 27 says, but you remain the same. That doesn't describe anybody I know and you don't know anybody like that either. God isn't passive-aggressive. He doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't do the silent treatment. He doesn't rage out of control. He's not like anybody you know. In 1 John 1.5, it says, This is the message we have heard and declared to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And finally, I know it's hot. I realize that. I'm sorry. I'm bumping down the AC. Takeaway number eight. When life gets overwhelming, we can pass responsibility to someone who can do something about it. If you've stopped dribbling and you can't find your pivot point, pass the ball. Pass the ball. First uh, Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So this morning I got up early, um, couldn't sleep real well last night, I'm not really sure why, um, but I, I got up this morning and I, I, this verse came to my mind and I started thinking about it and uh, I, I was like, oh, I, I wonder what some of those Greek words mean. <laughs> so I, I looked them up and the word um, cast, is, it gives you the idea of a just kind of almost like a hot potato. If you ever play that game, it's get rid of it really quick. Just, just as soon as it hits you, you, you're throwing it away. But the word for cares or anxiety, actually, was saying some of the verses say anxiety rather than cast your cares, cast your anxiety. That comes from a Greek word. And I just thought this was so interesting. Um, that word for anxiety 
This is the definition. Dividing and fracturing a person's being into parts. And isn't that a great definition? I mean, that's just, that just nails it. I think our English sometimes is just, it comes up so short. But that, when I read that, I was like, yep, that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. Thank you very much. But, you know, we, we are all, this is a tough life sometimes. This can be really tough. And we have somebody who can do something about it when, when it's completely out of our control. We can do, we have a God who cares so much for us and he welcomes us to just say, here, this is yours. So as we start our day together, God is here to meet you wherever you are and he's here to meet me where I am. So let me just wrap up with uh, the conclusion of the story that I started with. So I'm at the doctor and she says, I think I know what you have, and I think I know why you have it. She says, I think you have something called labyrinthitis. Has anybody ever heard of labyrinthitis or had labyrinthitis? I don't recommend it. It's pretty bad, um, but it's, uh, it's a, it, it basically, I got dehydrated and overheated, and it tossed me into something that was like vertigo on steroids. And it was not a lot of fun. But she said, she said these words to me. She said, okay, this is what I need to do. I, th I think you have labyrinthitis, but I need to be sure. I need to just check one little thing. And I said, okay. And at this point, I'm laying on the table. And she says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit you up. And uh, I'm going to lay you back really quick. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. And then she says, and then after I lay you back really quick, I'm going to turn your head to the side. And I was like, oh, this is not sounding really good. And, um, and she says, oh, yeah, and I'm going to need you to keep your eyes open. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was not fun. So that's exactly what she did. Sat me up on the table, leaned me back really fast, turned my head to the side. And, all, and as you can imagine, that just sent me into a tailspin. I, just, I, I couldn't get my bearings about me. And all I could say was, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And she sat there with my hands, with my cheeks in her hands, rubbed the sides of my face and said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So God is here today, if you need him to, to rub the sides of your face and say, it's okay, it's okay. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you for this day, and I really thank you for all the ladies here. Thank you for knowing us and loving us anyway. God, I just pray that you would use this day to be a time of refreshment and encouragement to all of us. We love you, and we're here to learn. We're here to listen. We pray all this in your name. Amen.